Hello, dear friends. It's Carly, and welcome to another episode of the I Learned Podcast. So glad you are here. So glad I am here. There is literally no other way I would rather be spending this moment. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day of soaking up consciousness expanding information and repurposing it into a conversation on this episode. This is the second part of a three-part series where I am watching and kind of reporting back on conversations on compassion, a conversation between Eckhart Tolle and Jim Doty. Uh, Jim Doty's organization, Cares is based on looking at the neuroscience of compassion. And I think that's so cool. So like he's got a very scientific mindset and he's stepping towards this subject of, you know, one human being benevolent towards another, <laughs> like wanting to do good to another being just because they're alive and I'm alive. And I think that makes us close enough together to, I don't, I can't hurt this person. Like you get into that space where you realize that like, really this, this other person isn't as separate from me as, as I used to maybe think they were. And that idea of being benevolent to each other, um, in the video, Eckhart Tolle quotes somebody else. He quoted a lot of people and I didn't jot this one down, but he, he said, the quote was basically until you have reached that stage of benevolence toward your fellow creatures on this planet, you're not fully human. And that really resonates and it feels right to be good (laughs) to others and to treat them with the same loving kindness that I like to be handled with. So yeah, that, that definitely resonated. And I think before I go through this middle chunk of material from this video. And this, this definitely does get into, uh, talking about compassion specifically, but there's still a chunk of groundwork to lay. So we are going to still start there, but before I do that, I want to just like really take a moment and be present in my now moment in that here I am podcasting this morning. It's afternoon, sorry, 1221. So you see like in this world, in this dream job of like being a professional podcaster where like, I feel like I'm like an investigative reporter to a certain extent. Like I'm going to go out and I'm going to learn what I can. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to report back what I found out. And that's literally my function. Like I, I get high on the research of the learning, the soaking up, the absorbing, the connecting the dots, the forming new dots, and then connecting them in with all the other dots. That part is so satisfying. It has a life all its own sometimes where my, I just can't help myself. My brain has to, has to go into that mode. And then it was so funny. I mean, that's why this is a three part series because I listened to 25 minutes of that video and my brain was already so full of yummy nuggets that I want to share. I don't know if you've seen this reel on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. Um, <laughs> Tell the lady I want the nuggets. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. That Iggy dog. Oh, and that voice. Oh gosh, it was so cute. Tell the lady I want the nuggets. Uh, it's a little dog that's at McDonald's and he wants the chicken nuggets and he wants his mom to tell the lady that he wants the nuggets. So now every time I say yummy nuggets, I think about the dog that wants the nuggets. So anywho, long story short, um, I just, I, I look around in my life right now, like, like right now, like in this moment, 1222 now on a Friday, I think. Um, yeah, I love this moment. I have a hot cup of coffee in front of me. I just put my hands around it and that warmth feels really amazing. I have been engaging my mind in a way that feels expansive and so delicious to get to understand with greater clarity on these subjects and pull together some some threads that like I have all these independent threads all these random dots that I've soaked up over time but like this morning I feel like I'm really drawing the threads together between all the dots and like really connecting them and integrating these pieces um that alone is so delicious and then to have an outlet established where I mean, I feel like I have a listening ear 24-7, 365. If I have a story I want to tell, I can deposit it here and trust that that's good enough. You know, like that's really the end of my business. It's just to deposit here what feels good to deposit here. So I listen to, you know, 25 minutes of that video and I'm like, full, like full in the brain, need to make a deposit. And so part one. Okay. So then I go back and I get back into the video. So delicious. I mean, check it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven pages of notes on listening to, so I stopped it at 25 minutes. And then as I listened more, I was just listening and absorbing and taking notes and drawing concepts and making graphs and like all kinds of fun things. Um, and just oh, soaking it up so good. And the thought popped into my head. Easy peasy. Yeah, I wonder how long it's been in the video. Um, maybe this is enough for part two. So I reached up and tapped on the video. And the play little time bar said 55, 55. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. My favorite number is five. And I was just like, <sighs> all is so well. This is so freaking cool. <laughs> this is my life. Like, here I am, like, soaking up this yummy information so that I can make a podcast episode about it. And I'm not trying to get it done because I got to get to something else. Nope, this is my whole day. This is like any, this is everything I got, going, I got going on today. Trying to move a couple loads of laundry through the machines. If I can make that happen, that'll be great. But otherwise, nothing on the calendar, nothing on the schedule, nowhere to be at any point today. I am free. This is spaciousness. This is spaciousness of a freedom to do exactly what I feel like doing. And based on part one, this is something that, you know, I've described. I've cultivated it in my mind first as far as giving myself freedom from the mental chatter that can soak up your whole life if you're not careful. If you haven't listened to part one, you definitely don't have to. This episode stands completely on its own like they all do, but 
um, there is an evolution. There's a foundation of understanding around awareness that, I mean, I've listened to 55, 55 of the video and he just started talking about actual compassion because to practice compassion, you have to be able to see the sameness like see yourself in this other thing, being whatever. Like if it's another person, you have to see yourself in them. You have to realize that like I'm a living being, they're a living being, we are same. And that sameness has nothing to do with their political party and my political party or if I want to wear a mask or if you don't want to wear a mask or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. We're the same. And seeing the sameness between yourself and another is how you practice compassion. And in order, I'm like working it backwards here from compassion now, since we've kind of brought that into the conversation in this second chunk. Um, To practice compassion, you have to see the sameness between you and the thing you want to offer compassion to. And to be able to see the sameness, you have to be operating in that wider awareness where you are not identifying as one with your thoughts and the mental chatter that is endless in your mind. There has to be a separation between the real you and the thoughts that exist in your mind. There's another, uh, I'm big on diagrams. I'm a very visual learner. I like charts and images that just instantly, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Like if you can just like snapshot, you know, 10 words, couple symbols, bam, understanding. <laughs> so love those. They're, my journals are full of them. Um, because when I understand something that feels really big, there's no way I can write it fast enough to try to capture the energy of it. So a picture is always so much easier. So I drew a picture that has like, you know, imagine a tennis ball. Uh, in front of you that is a circle about that big. Now remove the tennis ball. You got the circle there. Now put your thinking brain inside that circle. The constant mental chatter, the constant commenting on your experience. The And this is again all coming from that Eckhart Tolle content. So if you're into what I'm saying, like check out the description where you can go watch this whole hour and a half long video for yourself. Cause you know, I'm only bringing you a piece of it. There's so much more here. If you are jiving with what I'm talking about, highly recommend you bookmarking that YouTube video and fitting it in when you have a moment of spaciousness to be able to enjoy it. Um, anywho, so we're, we've got this circle, this tennis ball size circle. And inside that circle is our mental chatter. It's constant. And there are early evolutionary stages where people identify as their thoughts. They are not separate from their thoughts. They are the same. And that they really aren't even aware that they're thinking thoughts because the thoughts that they're thinking are who they are. So that's their identity is inside that tennis ball. Now imagine a beach ball in front of you and it is, you know, magically uh, encompassing this tennis ball. It's existing around the tennis ball. The tennis ball is just held inside the middle of this beach ball size circle. So now there's this bigger circle at play and that is our higher self or our true self or our soul or 
our inner being, our higher power, our like our full self, our whole soul, the, the wider part of who we are exists around our thinking minds. And in order to see the sameness between me and someone else, I have to be in that wider awareness because the thinking mind's job is to label the stuff that's going on outside of me. And if you think about that, it's not without its value. <laughs> like there's there's a lot of value that can come out of our thoughts and that we can point our thoughts in, in directions that we can get closer to what we want. Also, if you're, you know, like if you're looking out at the horizon and you see like a lion in the distance charging at you, you want your thinking brain to be constantly labeling what's happening in my experience, right? You want your thinking brain on the case. There's a lion, we should run, right? Like that's just happening now. And your thinking brain is who is paying attention to your physical environment for your safety, for your own survival. There's a survival instinct in it to constantly label our environment. So not to demonize what's going on inside the tennis ball, right? Like we need that. It's there to help us. It serves us, but it isn't who we are. He asked, let's see. Yes. He's like, this is kind of a weird question, but what if I asked you, what does it feel like to be you? Not your life's history, not stories about things that have happened to you. You exist inside of yourself. What does that feel like? What does your inner world feel like? The deeper sense of your beingness. The beach ball sized awareness, the total awareness of who you really are. What does that feel like? And he goes on to say that he's like, you know, it's a weird question. And when you try to answer it, things get a little bit slippery. And that's for good reason. And this is how he goes on to describe that. That Basically, when you try to look for yourself so that you can label it and describe it, you realize that like that attention that you're looking, you're looking for this answer, you're shining your beam of attention all around your brain, looking for this answer, shining your light around. And in doing that and not being able to really get around to be able to see what I am, you realize I am the light. I am the spotlight of attention. The attention is me. What exists inside my attention, that's who I am. And when you practice existing in the beach ball instead of the tennis ball, you're practicing seeing Everything that comes in and out of your experience is an, it's an object in consciousness and it comes and it goes 
and some things we like better than other things. And all of it in the outer world is a reflection of what's going on in our inner world. And again, going back to that idea of spaciousness in our lives and freedom for ourselves, so many of us want to free ourselves from the circumstances in our lives. And like we talked about in part one, if you want to go back and listen to that, the spaciousness and freedom that is actually real is to step into the beach ball awareness, to get out of your thinking, labeling, conceptual mind where everything has to have a label because basically what he was saying, the reason you can't practice compassion from inside the tennis ball, basically, is because when you're in there, you're in your conceptual reality, everything has to have a label. And when you're doing that, you're automatically separating that this thing is other than me. I am me. And this is that other person. This is this animal. This is this desk. This is this. And all of those things are separate from you. It's a, that's a different concept. You know, Dolly is a different concept than me. We are different concepts in my thinking brain. I keep us separate. But when I step out to my wider awareness, I realize I am an extension of source. She is an extension of source. We are same. And that goes for me and every other being on the face of the planet and most objects. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't harbor ill will towards anything because I am same as it all. And that is compassion. That is, I offer kindness because I know that we are all connected. So any offering I ever make is rippling in my reality, most of all, you know, like, Mm, that's so delicious. Anyways, um, I also, as, as he really got into talking about objects and consciousness, um, I was reminded of Sam Harris, who records guided meditations, uh, and he has YouTube videos. I'm sure he does much more than that. Um, but I am a huge fan of his basic eight minute guided meditation because he is not putting any kind of spin is the word I want to use, but like he's not filtering his beliefs into it at all. It is a simple practice of awareness, being aware of each thought rising in a space of consciousness, like observe the thought as it rises. Where did it come from? Observe the observe the thought as it passes. Where did it go? And I, I found that Sam Harris meditation before I had my quote unquote spiritual awakening, the awakening of my spirit, where I was now separate. I was in the beach ball. I wasn't in the tennis ball anymore. And I think that Sam Harris meditation really helped me to conceptualize that you are not the thought, you are the observer of the thought. The space of consciousness that the thought exists in, that's who you are. So again, going back to part one where we talked about meditation and using meditation not as anything fancy or specific other than it's a practice of focusing your attention on purpose. Don't get sucked into your thoughts. 
you know, not that you can't have thoughts because you can't help it. Like we talked about, it's a survival instinct for your chatter to be going all the time. So it's not about stopping thought. It's like what Sam Harris is asking you to do with like, like observe where did that thought come from? Can you feel or see which part of the brain did it arise in? And when it goes away, where does it go? You know, what, what does that look like? What, what does your thought space look like? And so it's not about stopping thought. It's just about observing thought. And that is about don't get sucked into the thoughts themselves. Let them come and then fall away. His voice is really lovely also, which always helps. Um, but I put that link in the description box as well. So you can check that out. Eight minutes, easy peasy. It goes by super fast. He talks the whole time. Um, guiding you through the breath and what to witness and what to look at and how to how to be the beach ball, how to be the space of consciousness that the breath exists within. You are not the breath, you are the consciousness that the breath exists within. You are not the thought, you are the space of consciousness where the thought exists. So like seeing yourself as that so helpful. It, it's like a, like a loosening of the, the pickle jar lid, uh, that really, I mean, for me, that's what it was for sure. Um, I'm looking at my notes because I, there's so much that I, like I said, I have seven pages. Um, I do love how he said that like one way to think about this is that you're rising above thinking. Not that you're stopping thought, that you don't think anymore. The thought still exists. Your survival brain is still going to look out at your in environment, your experience, and is going to label everything. But you get to decide what do you want to do with what's happening in the tennis ball compared to what's happening in the beach ball. If you have access to the beach ball, you know, like going back to that quote of like, you have the power to let yourself out of prison if you know you're in prison, period. As soon as you know you're in prison, you can walk right out the door. Until you know you're in there, you'll be in there and you'll be mad about it. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, hey, step into the beach ball and find your way out. And we all have access to that. Um, let's see. Yeah. So like working backwards from compassion. So to practice compassion, you have to be able to see uh, the other as same as you. And in order to do that, you have to exist outside of your conceptual reality where that other is other and you are you. You have to expand and zoom out into that beach ball reality, that wider view where you're the same. You're both alive. And in that aliveness, you are sane. You are here. You are energy. We are all energy. In the energy soup, I mean, we are all swimming in one giant pile of energy soup. And some people are pooping in the water. And other people are like a filtration system, cleansing the water, putting out positive ripple effects into this energy soup that we all share. We each have that opportunity with tuning our vibration, you know, pulling all of this into the larger conversation of what we're talking about on this podcast as a whole in terms of creating the reality that we want and learning what we need to learn to be able to live the life that we want to live, you know? 
Um, I used the analogy the other day, like if you want to look from the top of Mount Everest, like you better start climbing the mountain because only one step at a time, that's how you're going to get up there. And it's not necessarily an easy climb. It's a long journey. But if you want that experience, you know, if you want to live the life that you want to live, put one foot in front of the other and start walking towards that. So this is all so delicious (laughs) to be able to understand. Um, that tennis ball and that beach ball, the thinking mind and our wider awareness, our space of consciousness that our thinking mind exists within and that we are not our thinking mind. That is a tool that that is a manifestation machine because what you look at and what you give your attention to is what manifests in your life. And if you're struggling inside of yourself, if your thinking mind is being critical of you or other people, then you're manifesting a lot of troubles and snags and miscommunications and misunderstandings and conflict and unease, dis-ease. And you do that long enough and you manifest disease. You know, you don't believe me, listen to the episode on epigenetic, epigenetics um, by Bruce Lipton. Holy moly. Um, disease is dis-ease. And where does dis-ease come from? That tennis ball that holds our thinking mind. (laughs) Like Eckhart Tolle said that, you know, it's a powerful machine, but for most people it's a torture device because we exist in the tennis ball and we, we think that that's all there is. There's just fighting it out amongst our thoughts. And that's the part where if you do that long enough, if you stay trapped in the tennis ball long enough, eventually you will not be able to stand the suffocating suffering that you are enduring and you'll pop out to the beach ball. And that's how, I mean, that's how I got here. (laughs) That's how I got in the beach ball for sure. Uh, permanently is I gave up on suffering. Uh, and I was like, what do I need to do? I put it out to the universe. My heart was so clear. What do I need to do? How do I participate in my own happiness? I'm up for it. Bring it, bring it to me. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'm all in. I'm going to live a happy life or I'm done living. And the universe brought it <laughs> because uh, uh, the only one that ever keeps us in suffering is ourselves because we're in the tennis ball. And at any point you can step out to the beach ball. So if you want to step out to the beach ball without going through like a dark night of the soul and like immense suffering, maybe check out the same Harris meditation. Because like I said, I popped into the beach ball when I listened to that meditation, you know, for a minute, uh, in the eight minutes that I did it. And I did it maybe twice before all of this went down. Um, so I experienced it. I didn't ever, I, well, at that point I didn't, I didn't resonate with it in a way that I continued to practice it on a daily basis. Like I do now, like I practice being in the beach ball now, being in my wider awareness, observing myself, observing my thoughts and witnessing my self-talk. And that's how I root out patterns of like, I'm being mean to myself. I'm being, I'm being unfair to myself. I'm having unrealistic expectations. I'm being perfectionistic. Um, All of those self-awareness pieces come from the ability to observe my thoughts. And that is this whole concept of being in the beach ball. You know, like you can't let yourself out of prison if you don't know you're in prison. You got to get in the beach ball so you can work on what's going on in the tennis ball. Um, Because once you do that, you absolutely can like 
train your focus. That's that meditative process, the practice of focusing your attention on purpose towards something that you want, right? Like something that's beneficial to you. Train your brain to think that way, and it will. Um, most of us are trained by default from our parents and well-meaning adults who try to teach us the rules and how to be in the world. Um, and most of them don't know that they're teaching us things that are totally counterproductive to our own soul mission, you know? And so, so much of this work is unwiring and deprogramming what's going on in the tennis ball, but you can't do that while you're in the tennis ball. You got to be in the beach ball. So I hope that tennis ball beach ball analogy helps. Also, that picture of that drawing is on my Instagram at owning authenticity. Um, so there's all of that. <sighs> Let's see one more. Oh my goodness. So how he said, rise above thinking, right? Like step out to the beach ball and observe your thinking brain, what's going on inside the tennis ball. And that suffering lives inside our thinking minds, that suffering doesn't actually exist in the world. Experiences, he, he actually says, this might've been a different video though, but he actually says at one point, experiences are neutral and it's only ever our thoughts about them that make them negative or positive. Every single experience is neutral. And our attention to it is what determines if it's negative or positive. And meditation is the practice and the philosophy that you can train your attention. You can point it at whatever you want. So why in a million years would you ever intentionally think about something that you didn't want? <laughs> right? Like if you buy into any of this, like you would never on purpose point yourself towards something unwanted or something that felt bad, knowing that you're going to get that. You're going to get what you think about. That's how law of attraction works. That's the basis of this universe is that like matches like. The energies that are similar, they gravitate towards each other. And if you want a reality different from what you're living right now, then your inner world needs to shift. You need to cultivate a different energy and a different life will manifest around you and period over and out. <laughs> like I, I mean, I don't think it's like a one-time thing. I don't think you, Oh great. Like I, I shifted my energy and now my life's perfect and now I'm done. I think it's more like today I shifted my energy up one millimeter Woohoo! and tomorrow I'm going to shift my energy up one millimeter. And tomorrow I'm going to shift my energy up one millimeter. And I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. I'm going to practice this lifestyle of shifting my energy up one millimeter for the rest of my life. And that is actually my life's work. And I feel like basically what he's talking about, like being inside the beach ball, like being in that wider space of awareness where you're able to observe your thinking mind that existing in that space is also kind of like my life's work and rewiring and deprogramming my thinking brain into something that is a magical manifestation machine that, <laughs> you know, like the thing about our thinking brain is that there's patterns. It's, it's a normal, it's an average mix of thoughts. And if you really watch for a while, like a month or two, you notice you say the same things over and over again. You tell yourself the same things. doesn't matter what the circumstance was. You say the same thing. Like he said, he's like, 
when I really started paying attention, I noticed I tell myself all the time, oh, that makes sense that that bad thing happens to me because bad things always happen to me. And that, you know, four or five times of bad things happening to me and him responding like that. And he's like, whoa, (laughs) like maybe I'm doing this, you know, like cause and effect. Like what's, what's coming first is my story of, well, that makes sense. Bad things happen to me. Cause like bad things always happen to me. Like I tell that story and then the universe has no choice, but to give me experiences that reaffirm that, yep, you're right. Your story's right. Your story's right. No matter what it sounds like. So you might as well paint a really nice picture for yourself. <laughs> like I am living my dream job, you know, I am. And even before I was living my dream job, I am, I would affirm, like I am on my way to living my dream job. Every day I get closer to living my dream job. Every day I get closer to living my soul's purpose. And now these affirmations sound more like I am living my soul's purpose by doing my healing work, by showing up in my morning ritual to raise my vibration by one millimeter. Like that's what my soul came here to do. That like one little fragment of negative thinking that I can uninstall. You know, if I get one or two fragments of negative thinking out of my tennis ball every week, I think I'm doing pretty good, you know, like rewiring what my thinking brain is doing on average. Um, And this also plays in so well with our whole conversation around perception. Like every single teacher is teaching the same thing that your perception is the basis of everything that like your perception, that filter through which you see the world is your reality. That And that is like, what are you holding in your consciousness? Like you are not the thoughts. You are not what you're witnessing outside of yourself. You are the space of consciousness that your thoughts are existing within. So you are the consciousness that's witnessing what's going on with, you know, around you, with other people or whatever. Um, so how... I lost my train of thought Mm. and it felt good. It felt good. It felt like relief to let go of that one because I think we got the good out of that one and then let it go and see what else is going to go. Because that's just the thing. Like when you're, when you're existing in the beach ball, it gets so much easier to live from this place of like not needing to control the outcome. And that, oh, that's a beautiful place to kind of like come to weaving this all together and wrap it up. So he started talking about like the joys in the journey basically, or, you know, focusing on the destination versus the journey and whether that's a physical destination you're traveling to or a goal you're trying to get to or a wedding or a kid, like having a baby or whatever the destination quote unquote that you're wanting to go to. Um, he basically said like, it's good to have some direction in your own life, but while you're traveling, if your destination has most of your attention, you're continuously focusing on the destination, you miss the journey. You can't enjoy the journey anymore. And most of your life is the journey. The arriving at the destination is relatively rare. Your life mainly consists of the step you're taking right now which is the journey. 
So like 99.99999% of our lives is the journey and like 0.00001% of our lives is the destination. And most of us focus on the journey and the destination in about the opposite proportion. We focus on the destination 99% of the time and focus on the journey 1% of the time. And he's like, what if we switched it? So it's actually the way that your power works. Um, because our creative power only ever lives in this now moment. If we're thinking about the future and focusing on the destination, we are doing that in this now moment. And by doing that, we are also closed off to our now moment. We are no longer witnessing what's going on in our now moment, able to seize on opportunities that might be presenting themselves because we're focused on needing to get to the destination focusing somewhere other than where we are, because there are people who do this with the past also. And either one, it doesn't really matter. You're not present in the now. And all of your power to be happy is right now. All of your power to step into the beach ball, to step into your wider awareness and free yourself of the endless mental chatter, taking up your thinking space, stepping into that wider awareness of consciousness that is the only freedom there is. You know, like it's easy to seek financial freedom thinking that that will provide real freedom. You know, if I had enough money, then I wouldn't have to work. I'd have time. And with time, I'd feel better. I'd feel free because I'd have time. It's not always the case, right? Like just because you have money doesn't mean you're happy, doesn't mean you feel free. Um, most people who have money are mostly worried about losing their money. So like even them are not focusing in their now moment. They're not utilizing their power to the most. And so there's, there's a lot of ways that we get sucked into the tennis ball and that is natural and normal and good for our survival that those thoughts can so easily capture our attention. Because again, it pays to be aware of our environment. If there is a threat to our physical safety, we need to be aware of it. So don't ever beat yourself up for getting sucked back into your tennis ball. That's your body's survival instinct. But every time you find yourself inside the tennis ball, you know, the second, literally the second, all you have to do is become aware that you're inside the tennis ball and bam, you're out of it. By being aware that you're inside the tennis ball, you're automatically stepping into your fuller consciousness. So all you really have to, you don't have to change anything. All you have to do is say like, I see you tennis ball. (laughs) And because I can see you, I know that I'm not you. I know that I'm this bigger thing. I'm not these worrisome thoughts. I'm not these angry thoughts. I'm not these conflicted emotions. I'm not these confusing things that I wish I could get to the bottom of. None of that. I'm I'm the thing that's aware of all of that that's going on. And just because I'm aware of it doesn't mean it's not going on anymore, but I'm no longer under the wave. I'm riding on top of it. I'm witnessing this energy instead of being swept up in it. And there is absolute empowerment there. And like he said, that's where our, that's where our, um, where our true power is, is in the now. And that 
being present and being aware and being in that volleyball, like it does start in quiet alone time. Like to practice doing that, you really do have to kind of clear, clear the space and get, get everybody off. you. <laughs> like silence your notifications. Like you need to just kind of be with yourself for a second to be able to kind of tune into this, especially if you're newer to practicing being in the vol or being in the, the beach ball and observing the tennis ball. It helps to practice it in quiet. That's why that eight minute meditation, um, is a great place to start if you're new, but you know, he talks about like the now moment is where our power is and our now moment doesn't only exist in our meditation practice. You know, like we might carve out 30 minutes every morning to either formally meditate, like focusing on your breath or journaling of some sort, like doing a gratitude practice or, you know, if there's a hobby or exercise or whatever gets it done for you to get into the beach ball instead of the tennis ball, be witnessing that you are not your thoughts. Um, whatever works for you, carving out time every morning to do that is wonderful. And as, as you do that longer and longer, you will get really, 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 really good at going there and being there and being in the beach ball. And it's so satisfying. And you start, you know, you're really making progress when you're like, I don't want to go back out in the world. I want to just stay in here. Can I please just stay in here? Um, can I just like live in here and not have to go back out and deal with other people? Because they really pull me back into my tennis ball. You know, like when we bump up against people, especially the ones we don't like, uh, you start labeling them. You start, you're living in your conceptual reality and the point of your conceptual reality is to put labels on things. And those labels are serving your survival instincts. Um, because you're labeling like dangerous, not dangerous, but you know, now that we have freedom from most dangers, like most real physical life-threatening dangers, we are free to label other aspects and other traits within people. Um, so we like to like, lots of people make a hobby out of just labeling other things. And, you know, I try to make a hobby out of labeling myself. Like, let me observe what's going on in my tennis ball and, do some labeling of those things, do some labeling of those patterns and see, you know, how is, how can I see the patterns of what's going on in my tennis ball reflected in the patterns of what's manifesting in my outer world. And let me make some correlations there and let me see if there aren't some things, some patterns in my tennis ball that I wouldn't like to remove because I would be really grateful if that could stop manifesting in my outer world. Um, so, you know, you kind of work it backwards, work it from the inside out. And yeah, you know, you're making progress when you are really, really happy in your little bubble. You know, you figured out how to get into a space that feels good. And now you have to go to work. It's time to go to work or it's time to, you know, go see your parents or whatever. It's time to make dinner for your kids, whatever it is, doesn't matter. And all of a sudden you're back in your sourpuss mood. Check yourself. Are you back in your tennis ball? Are you back in your conceptual mind where you're labeling everything instead of detaching from labeling and seeing everything as basically a reflection of you, an extension of you, that you are same as everything that you're observing, that 
you are just the space of consciousness where all of this is rising and falling and that what's going on in the tennis ball is having constant commentary on all of these things and that you can direct what that thinking brain is focusing on. So my point is that getting really good at doing this in your own private practice is absolutely the first step. And you'll know you're ready for the next step when, like I said, you don't want to go out in the world because it feels so good to be in your little bubble. That's a good sign. And now it's time to integrate, integrate this spiritual practice of stepping into the beach ball, integrate it into your everyday life. And that's a process, you know, that's the kind of process that I feel like that's my work of raising my vibration one millimeter every day. I integrate my spiritual practice into my everyday life a little bit more every single day. And he gave a really good example of like, what does that actually mean to like integrate? So he talked about meta meditation, which I have never heard of. Um, but basically meta and M-E-T-A, meta meditation is a loving kindness meditation. And I'm going to describe it because A, it sounded really yummy when he described it. And B, I'm definitely going to give it a try at some point. I'm probably going to go look for a YouTube video and see if I can find a guided one for this first time because it sounded amazing. It was like, first you hold your awareness on yourself and you say, I want myself to be well and happy or happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to your household and you say, I want my household to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to your neighborhood and you say, I want my neighborhood to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to your town and you say, I want my town to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to your state. And you say, I want my state to be happy and well. I don't know if you guys can feel this. It feels really good. And then you expand your awareness to your country. You say, I want my country to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to your continent. And you say, I want my continent to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to your hemisphere. And you say, I want my hemisphere to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to the entire planet. And you say, I want my planet to be happy and well. Then you expand your awareness to this solar system. All the planets and asteroids and comets and stars and the sun. Our beautiful solar system existing within this galaxy. And you say, I want my galaxy to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to the entirety of this universe. And you say, I want my universe to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness that you're existing inside this dimension of this universe. And you say, I want my dimension 
to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness that there are lots of dimensions within this one universe. And you say, I want all my universe's dimensions to be happy and well. And then you expand your awareness to the multiple universes, the multiverse, all the dimensions in all the universes and all the galaxies far, far away. All the many planets supporting life throughout this beautiful multiverse. And you say, I want my multiverse to be alive and well. That was fucking amazing. <laughs> I will absolutely be doing that again. Holy shit. Oh, meta meditation. So there we go. There's a demonstration of that. And his, ex his example of your integration is that you're, you're in your meta meditation. You're in your loving kindness meditation. You've got your awareness so far out. You're holding the entire world in your loving awareness and in walks your loud seven-year-old daddy daddy i want to play with and you're like can't you see that i'm doing my loving kindness meditation and the crowd laughs and everybody laughs and that's an example of integrating your spiritual practice with your everyday life you know you're practicing loving kindness in a theoretical way and integration is about demonstrating it in a practical way. Talking the talk is one thing. Walking the walk is something very different. And that's integration. So I'm going to leave us there as far as my main takeaway of that meta meditation was the real magic comes from integrating our spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Meaning so many more moments we are existing in the beach ball. We spend almost no time. Eventually, this is where we hope to arrive, is that you know the, the tennis ball has less and less and less blind pull on us, where we're more aware of when we go inside the, the tennis ball, we have a tether back to our wider awareness that says, I'm only in the tennis ball to practice some new beliefs on purpose because I'm trying to raise my vibration one millimeter every day. I'm tuning my thoughts. I'm, I'm intentionally, mechanically working with what's going on inside my tennis ball. And I have this safety tether back to my wider awareness where I know it's safe to come in here and I'm not going to get sucked in. I'm inside my practice of not getting sucked in to what's going on inside the tennis ball. I'm existing in this wider awareness. And like I said, we have to get good at that when we're alone by ourselves first, and then you can start practicing it out into the world. And that's a great bottom line of like, you know, it's an opportunity to show yourself some compassion. And I wonder if he's going to get there in this third part of the video as far as like, Really practicing compassion starts with offering it to ourselves, just like true freedom is offering freedom to ourselves to escape the suffering that's going on inside our mental chatter. 
And we have that freedom. We have this ability to be aware of what's going on in our thinking brains and to make it work for us instead of being a torture device. So ah, this is such a delicious video, the conversation on compassion between Jim Doty and Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I am so <laughs> freaking honored to have this like be my job to make these podcast episodes about you know, teachers and information that I find so inspirational and fascinating and clarifying and like listening and absorbing what they're saying only helps me to exist in the beach ball more and more solidly. And for that, I am forever grateful to every single teacher I've ever come across that has helped me to understand that I am not my thinking mind, I am the entire space of consciousness that I perceive. It's a powerful, it's a powerful milestone to get to. So like I said, if you're new, definitely step into a space of quiet. Give yourself 10 to 15 minutes of total quiet where you know you won't be interrupted and play the Sam Harris meditation. It's very simple. You can keep your eyes open at first if you're not comfortable closing them. Uh, he guides you exactly how and where to pay attention. Um, it's very simple. His his voice is very soothing, very nice to listen to. And it goes by super quick. And, you know, if you want the view from the top of Mount Everest, you got to climb it one step at a time. And you got to start somewhere. And you got to carve out time, you know, to make one step at a time towards ultimately what you desire. And if what you desire is a peaceful, happy life, that only exists when we live in the beach ball instead of the tennis ball. So until next time, dear friends, I thank you for listening. You take really good care of yourselves. See if you can carve out even one moment of witnessing what's going on in your thinking mind and celebrate that awareness. Celebrate that you're no longer trapped inside the prison of the tennis ball. You're aware that the tennis ball exists. You sometimes find yourself in there and then you transition back into the beach ball. And that is all we can ever practice forever. You know, the better and better we get, it's still a practice of not getting sucked in to our thoughts we are not our thoughts. We are the consciousness that is aware that we have thoughts. So you take such good care. And so will I.